once again, it's us on your screens and in your ears. It is the big vibe with Heaven Tai. And once again, we have another special guest joining us. With World Cup around the corner, we thought who best to bring onto this platform than the renowned, the superstar, the legend that is Ruben. Round of applause, round of applause. Everybody, this is Ruben. He is our longtime friend, professional uh, footballer, and he's the all out guy when it comes to chatting about football. Um, this guy is extremely knowledgeable. He knows the game, he's played the game, and he's got tons of insights when you Full of ask him anything about football. Uh, he is the guy to go to. Uh, I'll let him take the, the floor and just give a bit of an overview about himself quickly. Yeah, thanks guys. Primo, TV boy, thanks for having me. Um, kind of disappointed I made it after Leslie. Um, <laughs> you, guys, you guys basically choked me again, I'm not going to lie. This happened at your wedding, by the way, Primo, where Leslie goes ahead for the speech. I'm straight after Leslie's talking about dragons and monsters. I don't even know what he was on about. And then I'm like, I literally have to follow up after that. So yeah, thanks for that. Um, but yeah, so as you guys introduce me, Ruben, uh, yeah, grew up in Madeira in South Africa, uh, met Tevin and Tyler at school, became close mates, um, yeah, and yeah, played soccer, made it professionally, if you want to say so, um, didn't really hit the mark off, but yeah, played soccer my whole life, enjoying it, actually, fun fact, we can talk about it a bit later, started playing soccer again this year properly, joined the Castle League team, which is the third division. And yeah, that that's pretty much me summed up, guys. Don't know what else you guys want me to introduce myself. Um, let me first uh, let me quickly tell. I have a story. My earliest memory of, of Ruben, um, and it was at Greenside where we went to the school that we went to. And I remember it was orientation week. Maybe it was the Friday. I don't remember which day it was, but we were wearing civvies for some reason. And Ruben was wearing this bright pink shirt. It was like pink, pink. Now, obviously, we just got like to high school. Exactly, it was. So, obviously, we yeah. just got to high school. You know, you flexing, you're pumping your chest. It's like you peacocking a little bit to show for the girls <laughs> or whatever. And then this guy comes with a pink shirt, right? So, immediately, it's like if you're not friends with him, he's kind of like, what's happening here? If you are friends with him, you're like, this is my boy. Anyway, then we decided, okay, we're going to play this friendly game of football. Everybody's playing like on the big field. And again, the opportunity comes like, oh, we're going to show the girls that are watching how we can play. Look at this guy in the pink shirt. We're going to chop him. <laughs> Next thing, he was showing us that he deserves to wear a pink shirt and to stand out. <laughs> Any group of girls was like, yo, who's that guy? He's so good looking and he can play and he's wearing a nah, pink shirt. Guys and I was just legit. I remember it clear as day. I remember it. So at my earliest memory with this guy is all about football. Uh, I have the fondest memories of being at his house. Ruben, I wanted to ask you quickly before we actually break down, because this whole episode is going to be about the World Cup. But we know that there's been some controversial decisions with some of the uh, coaches picking um, players and whatever. And I think when it comes to fans, it's easy to be like, oh, the coach made this decision or this decision and we disagree. But you've worked a little bit closer with more... I guess, professional coaches. So you might have a little mm. bit more insight when it comes into like trusting your coach. 
or anything like that. Um, I know uh, one of your favorite times of playing football was when we played uh, when you played at university level. So maybe you can give us a little bit of insight of what it's like to actually be coached at that level, not just like us who was who whatever teacher felt like coaching that quarter or that that term, you know. Yeah, so for sure. Um, yeah, my fondest memories of playing soccer when I learned the most is probably at UJ. Um, it's simply because we had a great coach, Bradley Connell. Um, he played uh, Bafana Bafana by the age of 16 or 17. He played in Bundesliga his, most of his whole career. Um, so yeah, he really brought that discipline, professional level. And that's the first time I actually felt it. Um, not just me, the team. He was a great coach, but on top of that, his player management skills, I also think, were fantastic. Like, he really knew how to get the best out of you. Um, so, yeah, um, I think he was absolutely brilliant. Um, and, yeah, we, we accomplished a lot under him. We actually did really well. I think we had a, an immense squad. Um, everyone looked up to us. And, yeah, that was probably my fondest time. Even I know I played professional at Santos. I got signed for Santos. But I think still my fondest memory was 100% has to be UJ. Okay. And um, do you have like a a time where you felt, so like in this case, you think um, Br- Bradley Cornell, right? That's what yeah. you said his name was. Uh, so do you have another time where you, you were playing under a coach and you don't have to mention any names, but where you felt like the coach was just like complete opposite, like doing you dirty? Did, could you yeah. have a significant difference? No, 100%. Um... I think it comes down to player management, you know, there's certain coaches that understand how to get the best out of players and, you know, they can be tactically good or do whatever, you know, everyone's got their own philosophy, how you want to play and, you know, um, but I can even feel it during training sessions, Bradley Canal's training sessions were unbelievably good. I can tell you, for example, there would be training sessions because we practice every day, you know, it's like we're basically, Bradley Canal's taking us as professional as possible. Um, there'll be training sessions, literally we'll be out there for three hours, maybe even four hours and we'll be, it'll be nine o'clock, 10 o'clock at night and Bradley Canal's like, and we're still going at in training and he's like, we're not leaving here until you guys don't get this right. And then there'll be other training sessions where we come onto the pitch and we literally there for 45 minutes and he blows training session is over and we're all like, what's going on? And he's just like, you guys did the, my drills perfectly. Are we going to keep doing it until you guys mess up? Why are we here? Um, so that's the type of drills. And then, yeah, professional level, let me just give you an insight. So I started at UJ, got a bursary at, uh, at UJ. And, you know, we started off and it was, and it was great. I also had a great coach at the time, great teammate. But then small things that Bradley installed, like when Bradley came, we each had our own lock in the change room. Like before, you just used to grab your kit off the floor, whatever, and you just sit wherever and you change. So he installed, you each had your own locker. Before, when we even got to training, we already had, like, your each kit, like, we each had our own number, your socks. Only thing you had to bring in was your toiletry bag and your soccer boots. And everything was set up, your, your shorts, your socks, your kit, everything was in your own locker. And then, yeah, uniform, like, you started instilling that, like, we all look the same, we get the same um, track suits, etc. Small things like that, it just changes your mindset slowly, you know, to becoming like, okay, shit, um, we're becoming professional. And yeah, that that that's that's what one of the great things Bradley I think installed very from the start. Oh no, that's amazing! Yeah, the fact that you get a taste of what it is like yeah. at the professional level. I mean, we see it um, in your Sky Sports, your Super Sports, whatever it is. The coverage of players entering a a locker room or mm-hmm. um, a stadium on game day—they're all in either a tracksuit or a suit. They have their yeah. 
they set up yeah, in the, the locker room. Even in the in the locker room, exactly. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> the fact that he's um, installed that in you guys and showing you exactly what the next route is or the next step um, in what the journey. Working towards. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's amazing. And that's just one small thing, but we did a lot of things. Like, we even had video sessions. Like, we used to record our games, and, like, we used to all go into one day instead of practice, or we had before practice session, we sit inside and we watch on a projector and we tell like us. Like, of what your opponents doing. or of yourself or both? Both. Um, there was times, because Varsity Cup, that's, that's my fondest moment, Varsity Cup. We can touch on that as well. But, yeah, like, Varsity Cup was played on TV, so we actually had a lot of footage of other teams, of ourselves. And legit, yeah, we used to sit and watch video sessions before the games, uh, our opponents, not on the day, like during the week or two weeks ahead, and we'll, he would mark out, like, who's their most dangerous player, what type of set pieces they did. That's the nitty-gritty that Bradley Connell used to go into. And you yeah. felt the differences of that, like, on the field? Like, when you, let's say, as an attacker, you knew, okay, this left-back is not so good on his right foot. Did you feel yeah. that in the moment? Yeah, no, definitely. Like we, we would notice like maybe their weak spot was on the wings. And so let's just, let's push more towards the wings or maybe they struggled central or maybe they struggled long balls. Um, we never tried to change the way we played. That was one thing Bradley hated. Um, we'll stick to the way we played, which was quick football position, um, transition play. That was Bradley's thing. So we never tried to deviate, but we definitely tried target maybe certain player or two that we knew that they were weaker than the rest or maybe they're the most dangerous player like make sure that he's man marked at all times yeah, or out, yeah. exactly yeah no mostly set pieces we used to also do a lot of set pieces see where they struggle at if it was near post short balls whatever the okay. situation is yeah okay. well, that's that's really epic and i mean <clears throat> i think my last question on this would be did it live up to the billing i mean a lot of us always aspire to play professionally and say, yeah, one day I just want to play football, man. As, Get paid to play. As the ultimate teammates, you um, home and away games, you know, you travel with your guys, you guys build this real yeah. close-knit bond with your mates. And did it live up to that? Coming from what you I, thought it would be versus what yeah. you... No, 100%. Uh, I think um, I wouldn't have changed it, especially with the UJ guys, like I said. We felt proper professionals. We were sleeping at hotels, catching planes, buses... Um, it lived up to it. Like you build this bond with your teammates that you can't really explain it because we're all enjoying the same moment. We're having the same feelings. Um, we're all passionate about soccer. That's why we're all there. Um, so yeah, it's, I really can't describe it much, but it, it's, it was amazing to share that with the guys. Uh, some of them I'm still close with. Um, and even today, what, it's, it's probably like eight years later, I would say, or, and, you know, if we still meet up to have a drink or whatever, we still talk about the UJ days. And we're like, listen, yeah, yeah that, that time was epic. Wish we could go back. Um, yeah, I think, but also at the same time, living in the moment, you know, you kind of maybe don't absorb it as much or, you know, it's all happening so fast. And then um, it was funny, actually, like we, we also got a bit arrogant at the time. Um, we thought we were superstars already and Bradley quickly shut it down. It happened a few times this year. So I'll give you one in once like two situations with myself personally, right? So, like I said, we never qualified. Udo never qualified for Varsity Cup before Bradley Canal arrived. I think like years before they have, um, but yeah, when I was there, we didn't qualify because you have to like qualify for Varsity Cup. Um, you don't just make Varsity Cup. So yeah, Bradley arrived. Um, we qualified for Varsity Cup, and now we start having a bit of our name ourselves. Uh, we're walking through campus, people recognize you. And, so, you know, you start walking with a bit of a bounce in school, like at Varsity, like, yeah. Um, so I remember Varsity Cup was approaching, right? And everyone was so focused on Varsity Cup. But you must remember when we're playing for UJ, you play for the Castle League. 
Um, you play Varsity Cup. Sometimes you still have to play Uses, which is for the following year. So there's a lot of games, right? Um, so when Varsity Cup was coming, like maybe everyone is scared to get injured and maybe your motivation, everyone's looking for Varsity Cup. It's going to be played on TV. You're going to be sleeping in hotels. You'll be doing those. Um, so it happened with me. I think I got caught up in the moment where when I was playing Castle League, like my, I don't know if my motivation wasn't there, but I was slacking. My game, my game was dropping. And I remember, <laughs> I think Varsity Cup was starting in a week or two. I'm not joking. And we were playing actually in Soweto, the Nike Center. And I remember him coming to me and he like grabbed me around the shoulders, like let's go talk. So okay, what's up? You know. Then he tells me like, listen, I don't know what's been happening to you this last like couple of weeks, but you know if. You dropped your standards. Like, if you don't pick up your socks, I don't know if you know if you're going to be starting in Varsity Cup. And I was like, and then I was like, damn, like, you know, that hit me. Um, so he's like, you got this game to prove yourself. Like, you know, Varsity Cup is literally in a week or something. So, you know, pick up your socks because otherwise you won't be starting. I'm telling you that now. And I'm not trying to burst my ego, but I used to think I was also like the main man, you know. I was like, what? I'm not going to be starting. Um, so, yeah, I would like that game. I was, I think I caught a wake up call and I had, the, I had a, I think he had a brilliant game. So he even came to me. So, so that's the type of coach Bradley was, right? He, he was really paid attention to detail. He made you let you know if you weren't up to scratch. But it wasn't in like a bad way. He wouldn't like just... He knew the talent or quality each one had of us. And he'll try to get the best. He wouldn't just be like, okay. So any other coach, I'm assuming, or probably would have just let me play. And maybe I would have stepped up because it was Vastic Cup. Or maybe I was still in the bad habit. Or maybe they would have just left me on the bench. And then my whole confidence yeah. probably would have been shattered one way or the other. Yeah, it's interesting. I like that. Um, it's kind of like you hear. Um, I don't know if you gents have watched the All or Nothing, the Arsenal documentary, but there's a part when they're talking to Saka, um, and he's like, you know, when I was younger and I was thinking about playing ball, you don't think about all this. All you think about is actually playing football. You don't really think about. Yeah. You know, he tells that story when he comes out of the restaurant and he's wearing a hoodie and a mask, and they recognize him and they want to take a picture. And he said that you don't really think about that element of it, like the the bounce in your step. And I think maybe being managed by someone like Bradley, who was like, who played professionally, maybe he understood like where that bounce came from because maybe he had the same bounce. Yeah. At the time, you know? So I think, that and then, like, so that was just before Varsity Cup and then Varsity Cup even got worse and it wasn't just with myself, I think with the team. Um, so another instance had happened where now we're staying at hotels, like you're saying, and um, like I said, we never qualified Varsity Cup. So we weren't in it the year before, even two years. I'm not too sure. Uh, but for example, when we just started, like we started, our team was crazy good. I won't lie. So we started really well. Like we were like, no one really took us serious because we weren't in Vastic Cup before. No one really had footage of us. Bradley Connell changed everything. So our first game came and I think we played UWC. Uh, I think we played Cape Town uh, or something like that. But I know we played really well. We ended up drawing 3-3, but we should have won the game. Then the second game we, we smacked, I think it was Durban. I don't know. Then I know we're like three games in or four games in and everyone was speaking about UJ. The football we're playing, the goals we're scoring, we're sitting top of the log. And like we're saying, now we're on TV. And now you must see that UJ has even gotten worse. People recognize even more. We asked to go to radio interviews for UJ. Um, after games, we're taking pictures. So we're really working with a bounce now, right? <laughs> uh, I'll never forget one game. Um, we go to Free State and we're playing Free State. And Free State is one of the good teams as well. They're actually a top team. So we traveled to Free State and we're there. And like I said, now I think we're a bit arrogant or, you know, it is what it is. And I think Bradley could sense it, right? But he never said anything. 
Um, he just told us, you know, like, stay focused. We haven't made it. Um, don't think you're superstars yet, blah, 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 blah. We still got a long way to win the cup, whatever. And then, yeah, we've played Free State. And we went 1-0 down. And we got a red card in the first half. And Free State were buzzing. Like, they were knocking the ball. We couldn't even touch the ball. It was that bad. And after we got the red card, it was even worse, as you can imagine. So I'll never forget at half time we'd we ten men down one nil one nil down as well and we 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 even thinking like we're gonna get hammered second off there's nothing we can do and I'll never forget we all sit in Bradley comes inside and he swears us and he tells everyone to just keep quiet everyone must just sit down shut up doesn't want to hear anything from no one and he's like red at this time because he's like this white guy he's going he's red red and his voice has changed. He digs in his pocket and he takes out these little sugar bags. Um, you remember the sugars that have like saying on them? They have like certain... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like yeah. Hewlett. Yeah. yeah. So he, he takes out one of those and he throws it at one of our players. I remember, I'll never forget, it was Isaac he threw it. He hit Isaac in the chest and he's like, Isaac, read that out loud. I can't remember what the, the thing said, but it was something like, um, don't... I can't remember word for word or what it was about, but it was something like, don't let, he was basically like, don't let arrogance get inside, like, into your head. You haven't achieved anything yet. So go out there, fight for it. Something like that. So then we read out and we were all just standing there and he starts swearing us again. And he's like, you guys, just because it's been four games, you think you're superstars. And he's going at us, going at us. And we're all just like, we're like stunned. And then he literally looks at us and he's like being dirty. And he's like, I don't care what you guys do. I don't care that it's 10, you guys are down to 10 men, one nil down. I am not leaving Free State without a point. And he's swearing us. He's like, you guys go out there and you better run your asses off and do everything you guys can because I'm not leaving this Free State without a point. So that was the thing. And he just walked off the change room. And then, yeah, the captain at the time, I think it was Luazi or whatever, we just rallied up. Like, we were there in the change room. He had left already. And then we were just like, guys, like, this is not it. Like, let's do something. Yeah, so that's the type coach. And yeah, we actually went out. We ended up drawing 2-2. Uh, we had a crazy game second half. Um, actually, that game I picked up man of the match. Um, but yeah, that's, that's the type of coach. Big check. Yeah, that's that's the that's the big check. So that's so that's so that's the type of coach Bradley was. He was literally like, oh, that's, that's yeah. No, he's incredible, man. And I hope that um, all of this um, insight into the game, I hope it also um, was used at. It's, it's kind of like something what Bafana needed, um, and I hope that there was some parts of this kind of installed in Bafana back in those glory days. I know he played um, early 2000s, mid-2000s with the national team, so I hope that yeah. mentality, he was a part of the, kind of like the voices in the change rooms that got people... Um, up. Exactly, exactly. Mm. I mean, it sounds like an incredible guy, and I hope that... He continues to yeah push boundaries. I think he was coaching in um, MLS not too long ago. Mm. If he's still coaching, yeah. So after yeah, so after UJ, he went to Free State Stars. After Free State Stars, he went to Pirates, and then yeah, from Pirates, he went all the way to MLS. He went to New York Red Bulls. I don't think currently he's there. I think he's coaching a different team in the states. I'm not even sure if it's still MLS, but yeah, I know he was with Saint, the Great Bulls. Saint like. Louis, Saint Louis City. Yeah, but yeah, before that he was with New York Red Bulls for two or three seasons. Yeah. Okay. So just shows, yeah. yeah, the kind of caliber that we work with. Yeah, and it's nice yeah. to see that he's brought that into um, the university system. So big credit to 
Bradley calm down, man. I hope you continue to inspire players. Um, anywhere you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. that's it. Send this episode to him, Primo. <laughs> Funny enough, we, we're still in a group with the UJ guys and he's in there. Like when he became head coach of MLS, we all messaged in that group and he thanked us. Like still, we still all have his number. So you know where you're dropping the link to episode 10. Man. Yeah. <laughs> Straight in there. Hey, yo, boy, listen to the reminiscing about what happened yeah. at the Varsity Cup. <laughs> it's honestly so awesome. Good play here from the University of Johannesburg. Clements into the area. Dava to Freitas. Goal! The drama continues for the University of Pretoria. Tucks the celebrations for the University of Johannesburg. De Freitas has worked his socks off during the match. Gives thanks for a goal that comes right at the end of second half stoppage time. Once again, Mopelwa finds himself under pressure. De Freitas, plenty of space for De Freitas. And he'll score as he did against the University of Pretoria Tux two weeks ago. And the University of Johannesburg draw first blood in the second half. De Freitas grabs his second goal of the campaign. UJ lead by three goals to nil. UJ looking for De Freitas. De Freitas! Oh, what a strike! Waited for it! It's set up for him! And that's his second in varsity football! UJ takes the lead! De Freitas the man again! It falls, falls perfectly for him. He has time for the ball to drop. And as it drops, best Max it with some might. Not a chance for the goalkeeper. But I'm a little disappointed with the defender. Yeah, with it being the, the center around um, the FIFA World Cup, we thought to quickly give an overview of each uh, group. So what we'll do, we'll list all the countries per group, kind of have a chat about our predictions, who we think is going to go through, and then we'll get into a bit more depth about the squads. Yeah. So group A, we saw that it's the host nation Qatar, Ecuador, Senegal, and the Netherlands. Um, and I can't see any other standings to this. Then Netherlands topping the group, Senegal second, Ecuador third, Qatar fourth. Does Thank Ecuador you. have Ecuador have no chance in that group of taking anything of Senegal? I don't think so. Mane is back. Um, was going to be ready really for okay. for the World okay. Cup, and I think as a as a team, Senegal have been kind of at the highest heights and won it. And I think yeah. taking that yeah. into a World Cup, um, and I think they have enough household names with Mendy, uh, Koulibaly. Um, I mean, we'll go into more detail, but yeah, I I don't know if there's any other outcome that I can see there. I would also just like to say, at the time of recording, we do not have. The Netherlands squad, and we do not have the yep. Ecuadorian squad. So, not that I can think that Ecuador is going <laughs> to announce anything that's really going to shock us. Let's be honest. But I still, yeah, I would say that that order is right. Uh, Netherlands, Senegal, Ecuador, Qatar. Maybe Senegal could take the top of the group. I don't think that would be insane. That I think that could about happen. That. But uh, yeah, it could. It could. Um, but I think, yeah, I think. That order works for me. Oh, nice, nice, nice. All on the same page, yeah. Uh, group B consists of 
England is coming home. England, um, Iran, USA, and Wales. Uh, obviously, put England as the favourites here. Um, some questionable decisions in the squad announcement, but we'll get into that. Yeah, yeah. Um, in a bit. So I've gone and I've said England, Wales, USA, and Iran. But I know you guys chose slightly different picking order there. Yeah. Primo, what did you go? What was your... Uh, there's England, USA, Wales. Uh, that's the route I went. But I'm still skeptical. I just feel like England might just choke this whole thing, to be honest. Like Oof. like a USA, Wales, England, Iran kind of thing? No, I don't see England finishing third, but maybe even second. I don't see why not. And between USA and Wales, who you got? Uh, it's a close one, you know. I definitely think it's a close one between them two... Uh, I don't know. I just feel like maybe USA could be the dark horses in this tournament. I don't know why. I just have okay. I just have a feeling. It's not like they have an okay team. Um, no real big superstars, sort of say. But I just think England might choke it. Uh, yeah, between Wales and and USA, definitely. I think it's going to be a close one. I just edged USA, but it could be either. But yeah. I actually do hope England choke it and actually finish second, even third. I wouldn't I wouldn't mind. <laughs> Yeah, okay. I think everyone's kind of got something against England. I don't know why, but it's like everyone has something against them for some reason. They're just uh, too angry. Yeah, yeah, yeah just too and I just, I can't deal with like, it's like, I'm sorry to say this, like United and, and Liverpool fans, man. It's like, I just, I uh, can't deal mm-hmm. with, yeah. I can't deal with the, like them <laughs> actually having success. I just don't want to deal with that. I just don't want to. Let's, uh, let's stick to the World Cup. Um, we'll get more into detail with the USA and Wales when you look at the squads yeah for sure Uh, Group C you see Argentina Saudi Arabia Mexico and Poland Um, yeah I don't think we'll wait for the same thing I'd say Argentina top it um, comfortably then I've said Mexico then Poland and then Saudi Arabia the Polish Uh, are kind of hit and miss for me I know they do have Lewandowski the superstar up top uh, Pia Tech that plays, I think, second to him or Malik, mm-hmm. and a few more um, notable names kind of dotted around the pitch. But for me, from what I've seen, they tend to be quite hit and miss. So I've they don't have um, um, Blashy Shishikovsky anymore, so I don't know. <laughs> hey, that thing used to kill me on FIFA, man. Um, I think um, I went with Mech. I think I said Mexico would edge Poland, and I think Ruben said Poland yes. was going to edge Mexico. I went back and forward between these two, to be honest, between Poland and Mexico. Um, the more I think about it, I actually do think Mexico might edge it. They just got that dog in them when it comes to the World Cup, you know? They just and got their those... keeper, who becomes prime noise. Yeah, yeah. Ocha. Oh, yeah, he really plays World Cups. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He wasn't in FIFA 23, and then when they realized the World Cup was coming, they added him. Now he's, <laughs> on, now he's on Ultimate Team because they know. He's going to have an icon SPC day. Yeah, for, for sure. For sure. Uh, yeah, but I do think, uh, maybe Mexico edge. They just got that dog in them. But I think it will be close. But I mean, don't rule out Lewandowski. It just takes one or yeah. two crosses for him to put in the back of the net. Mm, uh, but yeah, and, and it Regular keeper, right? Yeah, they do have quite notable names. It's just that Messi is okay. Group D features the holders: France, um, Australia, Denmark, and Tunisia. 
Um, I've said France, Denmark, Australia, Tunisia. I think we, I believe all, we all said, said that, the same yeah. thing. Yeah, not too much doubt in that one. Uh, we'll no. pass over. I mean, don't, don't don't rule out Denmark finishing first too too quick. I also said France finished first, but wasn't Denmark in France's UEFA Nations group? I think they were. Yeah, I, I wouldn't actually be too shocked if they did manage to do it because. Um, I was actually looking. We'll talk more about the French squad, but yeah, uh, yeah. So let's not rule it out, but we'll get into more details. Yeah, like just to give you an insight, I think I looked at it yesterday. If I'm not mistaken. UEFA Nations. Um, pretty sure it was Denmark, and it was another team. But out of six games, um, France only won one. Eh, they only finished on like five or six points out of a possible eighteen. And this is recent, eh? This is like they played it this year and last year, so. Yeah. I mean, France do have the quality to just turn it around, and I'm sure big occasions will bring out the big players. So, but yeah, mm. yeah, yeah, definitely okay. want to kind of look out for them. Mm-hmm. Um, we then go on to Group E: uh, Spain, Germany, Costa Rica, and Japan. I'd probably say, oh, I don't know if this or this group, or group H is like H. You say H. Oh, group okay. of death. I think. I think Group G has also got a, could have a few surprises. Not that all those teams are good. I just don't think it's going to be easy for everyone to qualify. But for me, my group of death is Group E. Yeah. So notable names there. Spain, Costa Rica, Germany, Japan. <sighs> I don't trust a lot of the Spanish forwards, man. They aren't yeah. as consistent as their previous generation. Your Villas, your Torres, your... Um, Diego Costas, etc. So, yeah, same thing. On, on my side with them is with Spain. Is on their day, I think they can knock out any big team, you know, on their day. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But it's what you spoke about. I don't think they have the quality up top to go far, win the whole tournament because there's going to be games where they're just going to be hit and miss the whole time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so if they had definitely a more firing power up top, they would be definitely one of the favorites, I would say. But I mean, without that, so on the day, yeah, they could be. Argentina, I'm just saying on the day, if they finish, they, they take the chances that they finish. But I yeah. just don't see that happening throughout the whole tournament. So, yeah, yeah. I think Germany will top that group. Okay. We all went uh, Germany, Spain, Japan, Costa Rica. Just on a, quickly, on a side note, have you guys watched Blue Lock on Netflix? No. What is that? It's a it's an anime about football. It's really cool. Oh, I've heard it. about it actually. It's about really it. sick. Right. You should watch it. Sorry, I'm just thinking about that now because I know Japan has actually been putting a lot of um, effort and money into developing their football. So I actually, based on like what I think Spain might be inconsistent with, I don't think like Japan's going to be a huge shocker, but I don't think they're going to be an easy team, and I don't think Costa Rica yeah. is like a guaranteed three points. And I think that's what makes that group so challenging. Is like the results between Japan and, and Costa Rica playing each other could play a huge part. And I think they're going to take... Both those teams have the ability to take one or three points off anyone else yeah. at any point. I mean, Takahiro Tomiyasu, when I sent you guys his picture last year, you laughed at me. And now he's on... <laughs> everyone wants to talk about him. Uh, you know, I'm, just, I'm uh, just saying. So, yeah, Japan, I wouldn't count out completely. Yeah, so, I really play well. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. If, if Japan weren't in that specific group... Um, they would probably be my dark horses in the tournament, to be honest. Okay. Okay. Yeah, but just because they're in such a hard group, uh, they are going to make life difficult for the the big boys there. But I, I still think that at the end of the day, those two. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Uh, moving on to Group F, we have Belgium, Canada, Morocco, and Croatia. Mm-hmm. I think we've gone Belgium, Croatia, Canada, 
Damn Morocco. Oof, maybe I should even put Canada last. Yeah, um, I put Canada last, I think. Yeah, I think I actually would. Stop it around. Yeah. So Belgium, Croatia, um, Morocco and Canada. I think I went Canada third. I don't know why. Maybe because on FIFA, the SBCs have Davis. Alfonso Davies and uh, who's who's the guy that plays in France as well? David. That's his but name. I think Alfonso Davies oh, is missing the World Cup. Is he injured? Yeah, got injured in his last oh. game for, for Bayern. I'm not sure how bad it is, but he he was limping off, got subbed off. That could be costly. Let's We'll talk more about the squads, but are we sure that we think Belgium and then Croatia? I mean, Croatia went all the way to the final, which was actually a disappointing final in all honesty, but... Do we, is it a sure thing or what's what's the th- feelings? Uh, I don't rate really Croatia that much this, this year, to, I be don't either, to be honest. Um, I mean, they got some good stars, but I mean, if you look at Modric getting old, still still amazing. Don't get me wrong, um, absolute baller. But I mean, Perisic used to be their star player when they played that last World Cup in Euros. Um, he's kind of fading out. He's still he's still good. Don't get me wrong, but I mean, yeah, I think Belgium will still edge it out quite easily. Okay. Yeah, yeah. The Belgian players, even the the new players that got integrated, you look guys like Trossard, etc. I think yeah. they just have the the technical ability to. Um, and oddly, get like the depth, the depth. Belgium for me often strikes me as having a fair amount of depth in a lot of areas. Obviously, if if De Bruyne gets injured, that's a different story. But I kind of feel like in most other positions, they have a fair amount of depth that I feel I wouldn't. Yeah, I think that they... I think their last World Cup was a bit disappointing, to be honest. I think everyone expected a lot more from them. How, where did they go? Quarterfinals? In the last one? They lost to Brazil. Or Euro, or was Japan? it the Euros? There was a recent tournament where I felt quite disappointed at their progress. The last World Cup was um, Brazil that got knocked out. The Euros... Was quite it finally, I think. I'm not sure who knocked them out, actually. Okay, but yeah, yeah, I think that group is pretty pretty dusted. Yeah. Um, group G. Interesting. Which was group. another very contentious group. See, Brazil, Serbia, Switzerland, and Cameroon. So all four of them have a, or essentially a household name by their own right. Um, Brazil, clear favorites. Then it's a, a toss-up for second and third. Who did you guys go for? I went Switzerland. I think I went Switzerland and then Serbia um, because Granite Jacker, we've got <laughs> Granite Jacker. No, I just think Switzerland, I, I think they'll do what they need to to beat. I think Serbia and Switzerland have a little bit of political issues, or is it Switzerland and Croatia? Anyway, just a side note, but yeah, I think Switzerland, for me in that case, is going second. And I think Brazil will walk through that group. Uh, it will be tough in games, but I think they'll walk through as top I don't think they'll have any problems topping that group okay okay Ruben same to yeah. yeah exact same I think Brazil would just be too good I rate Switzerland quite a bit I've seen them play UEFA Nations they were in our group for qualifying for the World Cup actually so not a bad they squad they problems didn't they uh, they actually topped the, the group we had to go for playoffs yeah. uh, but we yeah. lost but it were it, uh, they robbed us. I don't know if you remember that whole thing where Ronaldo threes on band walked out. Uh, the goal crossed the line yeah, and they yeah, said no yeah. goal. So we should have yeah. qualified easy. But yeah, they are they are a good squad. I've seen them. Uh, even in the UEFA Nations, they finished third. But I mean that was close. They gave some teams a hard time there. So yeah, they also have that, 
it's the same thing as Japan. I think they also kind of have that feeling of like a well-coached, well-organized mm. team. Like mm. it's like it's not that there's any individuals other than Granit Xhaka who's sick this season, by the way. But it's not like they have these star individuals that they're going to be relying on. It's like I think they just have this unity and this drive. And I think they most Swiss players just seem to play with grit. Like it's yeah. a ninety-minute game. You know what I'm saying? Like that's how I feel. Um. Serbia, I don't really know anyone anymore except for Vlaovic, who's probably killing himself for not coming to Arsenal because look at them now. Look at what he's doing. But other than that, I don't really know who, who, who plays for Serbia. Is there any other names that we know of, um, really, that's in the Serbian squad? Likovic, I think. Um, you see, the, these, the things with these teams are the, the big teams. It's, it's, I, don't, I think Brazil... Well, win it. Um, maybe quite easy, quite not. You must realize when these big tournaments happen, a lot of these small teams, what they do, they will just park the bus, if you want to say, and yeah, they will just try grab a point at max against the yeah. top team, and then they'll fight it out with the small teams. Yeah, uh, that that happens. That happens a lot. And I know when people park the bus, Portugal suffers a lot because we hate that. Um, we do struggle. So maybe Brazil won't struggle as much. But yeah, there's going to be upsets. We just we just don't know where, but they are going to be upsets. Yeah. Fair play, yeah. Yes, and then our final group, Group H, we see the Portuguese stars. We have Ghana, Uruguay. Still, still a very sensitive topic. Yeah, yeah. And the final team in Group H is the Korea Republic. Son, is he back? Or is he out? He will be. Okay. Part of the squad. What did we go for with this group? Portugal. Yeah, let me. Let me. Uh, sure. <laughs> I'll have the yes, Portuguese. Uh, the wax lyric. No, I only heard you guys had to say. Let me hear. Let me hear. I went Portugal, Uruguay, Ghana, South Korea. Ruben went Portugal, Ghana, Uruguay, South Korea, and Tevin went Portugal, Uruguay. So I'm. Uh, Ruben's the only one that thinks Ghana's going through there, um, and we think both of us think Uruguay's going through. Um, I don't know, man. I don't know what to say about Portugal, to be honest. I haven't watched them enough lately. Um, you saw the picture I sent you about Ronaldo being washed. I don't think he's washed. I don't think he's washed. I don't think... But I think Portugal's going to have a hard time. I don't think it's an easy group. And But I don't think that Portugal's as much as a, of a one-man show as they maybe um, made out to be. They always Everyone always thinks that Portugal is such a one-man show. And I always think back to... Was it the Euro that we watched at your house when, um, who's that guy who scored? Ronaldo got injured, actually, and he went off. Mm, and then there was like, yeah, yeah. And I thought that was really, really poetic. <laughs> and Rui Costa, Rui Costa, <laughs> <Valador>. <laughs> I thought it was really that, that Portugal actually showed in those games that they were able to. And the way Ronaldo plays now is he's not necessarily the be-all and end-all. But my thing is, like, I honestly think if you, I think you're going to have a hard time with both Ronaldo and Bruno Fernandes on the same team because I feel like their work rate going back isn't enough. Maybe players like Bernardo Silva can make up for that, but I think they're gonna, there's going to be holes in the defensive side of Portugal. I think going forward they'll be okay or pretty good, but I think defensively I think they might get exposed. I don't know if Pepe is still the starting centre-back and I don't know what kind of form he's in anymore. But I just kind of feel... I mean... I mean, tell us what I'm you think. You're the experts. You're the experts and unbiased. Yeah, look. Uh, also, I'm going to be biased. 
there's, there's no <laughs> doubt about that. But I mean, if we look at our squad, I think it's one of the best squads we've had in a very long time. Um, I think we're going to miss Shota a lot, uh, just for depth. Yeah. Um, but yeah, touching on Ronaldo, it's the World Cup. We're going to be playing games every four or five days or whatever the case is, three days. I don't know how often the fixtures happen. Yeah, I think it's between three and four, five days, yeah. Yeah, so I don't see Ronaldo starting or playing every game or maybe all, but we'll sub him off now and then or whatever the case is. Uh, I don't know. I think Ronaldo just got that bounce in him when he plays for Portugal, you know. He's got something to prove. And when Ronaldo's got something to prove, don't rule him out. I can tell you that. I'm actually glad that people are undermining him as we're going into those World Cup. Let it be so. Let the main man show what he can do. Um, yeah, in terms of, uh, like, our squad going, like, a, like as a balanced squad, I think we have a lot of depth to carry us through the World Cup. Uh, I don't think we'll win it, unfortunately. Um, I'll lose my mind if we do. Uh, but, yeah, like, I think it's a good squad. I think the likes of Bernardo Silva is crucial. We got Rafael Leal. Um, I hope he does put there. I mean, our backline, I think, is solid as hell. Um, if you look at, we got Ruben Dias, Pep, and then we got Juan Concelo and Nuno Mendes. Um, I mean, I don't think I'd take anyone out there for now. Like, that backline looks yeah. solid to me. I think we lack a little bit in the midfield, maybe. I mean, I know we got Ruben Neves and then João Moutinho, maybe William Carvalho, Danilo. I mean, maybe we lack there compared to them. But I'll definitely I'll attack and our defense. I'm, I'm happy with that. Okay, I think and I think the, yeah, the one flaw I think not flaw the one problem I see in Portugal is that I don't see it's similar to like the Brazil group and maybe even the Group E is that I don't think there's necessarily an easy game where you can actually rotate properly. Yeah, no. So for every game you're kind of gonna have to go full strength, and I just like I just I don't know if they have the legs and the I mean they have some good replacements, but like. You know, Jao Cancelo might be showing legs towards the end of the tournament. Um, you know, that kind of thing. That's where I think they might struggle just a little bit. But I do think they're a good, a good squad. Yeah, uh, we also have a very good striker that you must watch out for. Hopefully, he gets to play. His name's Gonzalo. Plays for Benfica. A youngster striker. Um, hopefully, he gets a couple of games in. And if he Jean does, uh, I don't know. Jean Felix is a bit of a hit and miss, isn't it? Like. Um, mm. Feels like I don't see. I don't see him starting ahead of Rafael Leão, Bernardo Silva, yeah. um, Bruno in the formation we play. So, I mean, it's a good super sub to have, no doubt. I think. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. That's a good cameo job. And then quickly before we get into the squad um, lists, Ghana Uruguay. Do we see revenge for the Ghanaians against Uruguay this year? I saw it. I, I see it happening. I, uh, I think I, the climate is also going to benefit Ghana. Eh? I think the climate will benefit Ghana. Uh, I mean, what's the what's the what's the climate like in Uruguay? Uh, to be fair, I don't know. Eh? I just assume South Ghana America. Would... I'd imagine it's also quite. I mean, look, I haven't seen the Ghanaian squad. I don't know the names, but I think for me, I just think the the Uruguay squad just has too many reliable players. You know, like if you look from the back line, you know, there's a well-known player in every area. There's Godin, Jimenez, there in the defense. Then you've got Valverde, who's mad good. You've got Lucas Torreira, who seems to play a different game when he plays for them. Bentacor, who's quite good. And then up front, although uh, Luis Suarez and, and Cavani are, are a bit old, to be fair, uh, you've got the, the, 
the Darwin. hit and miss Darwin Nunez, who, who who really I think actually has a lot of potential to be good, and I think on a good day that man is very good. So I just think Uruguay has too much for Ghana, personally. I hope Ghana just bully them. Yeah, I also he's, want them to. He's yeah. looking for yeah. some kind of fight back there. Um, so yeah, that's that's the the roundup of the groups um, and kind of our predictions on that. So we'll get stuck into some squads here. Um, Tyler, I know you found a few there. Do you wanna? Yeah. Um, so we'll try not to get stuck on too many. Um, or, uh, some of the squads when we're recording now have not been announced. For example, we don't have the Netherlands squad. Uh, I think we can all pretty much predict who's going to stand out in the Netherlands team. So I don't imagine there's going to be many surprises when the squad is announced, which is why we yeah. probably put them at first. Um, the um, Senegalese squad is very strong, I would say. Um, there's all notable names with Mendy in goal. Uh, like I said earlier, there's um, Koulibaly, there's uh, Cheku Kuyate, um, Pape Sisse in the defense. And then in the midfield, there's Saar Gu... How do you say the guy's name? Pape Gouye, the guy who plays... I think he plays for PSG at the moment. Um, and then there's also Idrissa Garnagay. Uh, so there's enough there. And then obviously up front, you've got Sadio Mane, who I think Liverpool should never have sold. I think a lot of people share that sentiment. There's that other long, fast guy, Saar, um, Keita Balde. So I think they have a good squad, and that's why I think we pegged them all for, for second. Uh, I don't know if you guys want to say anything about the Senegalese squad or... No, I think, I think they're probably going to be the best African team. Um, yeah, they'll be the best African team, I reckon. To go quite far. Um, yeah, the others don't have as much um, cohesion, I think. And mm. with having one um, AFCON, I think that's a really nice... Um, yeah, kind of springboard into the tournament. I'm surprised that there actually wasn't a... What do you call it? Confederations Cup. Do they stop doing that? Because normally, like, uh, I think maybe because it's like, I think because it's a Winter World Cup. I think to do that as well would have been yeah. very disruptive. I would, I would imagine that's why. Yeah, yeah too many games. Yeah, because yeah. they are a lot. Um, and then in Group B, let us quickly just get the. Let's do the England squad quickly. Uh, well, it won't be quick because we'll have a lot of opinions. But basically, it's I'm going to say the whole squad because I think there's quite a lot to unpack. It's Pickford, Pope, and Ramsdale. Um, as the goalkeepers, then John Stones, Alexander Arnold, Eric Dyer, Connor Cody, Ben White, yeah boy, Luke Shaw, Kyle Walker, Harry Maguire, God knows why, and Kieran Trippier, Trippier are the defenders. In the midfield, Calvin Phillips, Declan Rice, Connor Gallagher, I think was a bit of a dark horse choice, but anyway, Jude Bellingham, Jordan Henderson, Mason Mount. And then up front, quite a lot of firepower in Harry Kane, Marcus Rashford, Callum Wilson, that's quite a glory story, I quite like that. Phil Foden, Jack Grealish, the main man himself, Bukayo Saka, James Madison, who people are very stoked about, and Raheem Sterling. So, is there anything that you guys want to say about the squad? Anyone you feel like should be there that's been left out? Anyone that's there that should have been left out? Um, who do we start with? Let's go, Tev. You tell us first. I take Maguire out firstly. Uh, I know he has a lot of history with England, and Gareth probably relies on him. Um, in tournaments, I know he does. He offers goal-scoring threat as well, um, but maybe it's kind of like the old guard that Gareth is building the foundation off. I heard him come out with comments saying that he doesn't feel like the the youngsters necessarily have enough to push the more veteran mm, guys out. As well, I heard that as well. Um, 
unless you take him and you, you keep him on the bench, but that was a surprise. I would have taken Tomore from AC Milan. I think a lot of people um, said that. Yeah, that's a shock. I don't know why. But I would have taken Tomore over Cody. I don't know why Cody's there. No. Cody's also... I don't know why. So you take, you take Maguire with? I take Maguire with. Not just because of and I don't start him. It'd be interesting. If Southgate starts him, it's a problem. You need a bit of leadership in there. I'm telling you, when it comes to these tournaments, you need a bit of that experience, leadership. Um, playing tournaments is different to playing league. And I'm not saying, I don't think you should start 100%. If he starts, man, Southgate. <laughs> you not, do you feel that he offers a different kind of leadership to, let's say, Kieran Trippier? Uh, has that same leadership thing i but i feel yeah. i agree with the leadership but i feel like kieran trippier offers for me i'd probably start with trippier to be honest even though i think and i and i think ben white is playing mad good football at right back at the moment but i do you not think trippier can do what Maguire offers in that leadership role i mean i don't know much i haven't really seen trippier trippier ever captain england or ever captain newcastle in a sort um I'm when you go sure. on the fantasy the, the football app, the Premier League app, mm. whenever you click on a Newcastle game, Trippier is always man of the match. The man is so yeah, no, I've never seen someone so often. 100% having my fantasy as well. You have to. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just take... But I mean, if you if you leave Maguire out, who, who are you putting in there? That Tomori guy from AC Milan. I would have t- taken him for Cody, okay? So let's just say you take Tomori instead of Cody. Who else are you putting there? I mean, I guess that's fair. I guess Mings probably would have been the next. Mings is just man. as whack as Maguire, man. Let's be real. Mings is bullying you guys. What are you talking about? What do you, what do you mean? No, 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 no. Calm down. <laughs> calm down. Calm down. <laughs> so, and then, Tev, anyone else in the midfield? Uh, midfield, Phillips. Phillips has played probably about 15 minutes, minutes all yeah. in all this year. Yeah. Mm. Or at least this season. Um. But who do you take? So I know they need defensive reinforcement, which is, I assume, why they took Dyer because he can play as centre back as well as a, a DM. But mm-hmm. I, I personally would have, would have not included him given but then who, who game who do time. You take? Who do you take instead of him? As a DM, who would I have taken? DM. See, I don't think there is anyone. I then would have brought in another just general midfielder to add numbers. But I don't know if Ward Prowse can do any defensive ability. What's he gonna in the do? Midfield. What's he gonna do? Take a corner as a central. You need set piece. Nah, um, you got Trippier again. Trippier can do it. Don't stress, bro. He'll do everything. I'm gassing this guy. Trent, Trent, <laughs> you've got Trent. Who I don't think that, should start. Then you need defensive cover. Because Trent, as much as he is amazing going forward, I find maybe that's... Shocking going back. My, my um, slightly biased opinion. That he's not great defensively. I don't know, maybe the stats optic can come and... Um, I don't know, I mean, Ruth, that, you watch analytically. What do you think? Do you think Trent should be starting? If James was there, I don't think Trent should have gone at all. But that's just okay. me. Yeah, if... James is there. I don't think Trent should start. But in this lineup, I definitely think Trent should start. Look, Trent is weak defensively, 100%. But I think he gets exposed because of style Liverpool plays. So I don't think he's as bad as defending as everyone making out of to see him. Like, he's definitely not great. Um, but I think it's the style that Liverpool play that it's so aggressive, so direct attacking, and he's so high up the pitch that it does expose um, him a lot. 
um, do you get what I'm saying? So I don't think England are going to be quite like that. So it actually might suit him a bit more, or not. We're going to find out. But I think Trent on the ball, guys. You just he's he's just too good on the ball. His vision, his passing. Yeah, he is. He is. Um, and I'll be honest. I think um, someone like if you're playing, because most likely Saka is going to start on Trent's wing, and I honestly think that Saka's defensive work. He does more defensive work than, let's say, like Salah. I think Saka does a lot of mm. back, track back, backing, tracking back as opposed to Salah, which I think helps in that case. Um, so, uh, yeah, you might be right there. I yeah, actually want to talk about Ben White. Is Ben White actually playing as a right-back mm. or centre-back? For Arsenal, he's playing as a right-back right now. Um, but I don't know what Southgate's... Pro- I think that's probably why they're taking him is because he's versatile, because he can play centre-back mm. and or right-back. And he's actually playing really well as right-back for Arsenal at the moment. He's, he's a baller, man, and he looks so slick, man. The guy looks like he walks straight out of Love Island. Benny Blanco, <laughs> Mr. Studio Girl. He's a, he's a top cat. And then just a the last question. Um, anyone on the forwards? Callum Wilson for Ivan Tony? Maybe. Anyone have any feelings or Callum Wilson all the way? I think Ivan Tony's facing a bit of a backlash on that betting thing, isn't it? Maybe that's why he's not picked. Well, I don't know. But I mean, if you're looking for player for player, uh, I don't know. I guess who you kind of what type of player you're looking for Southgate to replace Kane because Kane is starting every game, let's be honest. Uh, I think Callum Wilson's that typical poacher, get in your face, where I think Ivan Tony's a bit more of that. Once the ball on his feet will take you on. Um, but yeah, I like Alan Wilson there. I actually like that that he's including the squad. And I think when it's those nitty-gritty games where you just need to try to get a goal, a scrappy goal, he's a good player. Space, to, yeah. I think it's a good player to throw in there. Yeah. I don't think playing your top much. Players, your, your, I'll say my st- probably, in the for me, the standout player of this tournament like he has been. I still think Saka is going to stand out this tournament. I think he's going to have a big tournament for England. Man, he got England player of the year and he's just so sick. He's so sick. He's so good. I'm going Saka. For me, he's going to be England's go-to guy, just like he was in the yeah. Tech, who's your guy? For Who's the guy that they're going to rely on England? Um, aside from Harry Kane, uh, I'm going to go with Jude Bellingham. I think he's in a Boston midfield. I think he's had an exceptional past um, year and probably last season as well. I think there's going to be... He allows the forwards to do a lot more work and with defensive cover just behind him being rice i think there's going to be a lot of um, a lot of space for him to work yeah, in like uh, to operate i'd say bending for me okay Ruben? uh i don't know this england squad just doesn't excite me that's the thing um but i mean southgate he needs to get the most out of full Foden. i think that can be their weapon right there i think if they can involve him as much as possible uh, I swear, if they if they keep benching Foden for Saka, he's got to be crazy. My Foden will play on the left. Saka play on the right. Either way, Antonio for Foden should be their main man. There. <laughs> oh, okay. quick, quick um, thoughts on Gallagher. Gallagher's inclusion. Uh, I like him. I I like him as well. I think he offers something to that midfield. Um, I I play Gallagher ahead of Mount. All day, every day, personally, yes. I think. I think Mount. Yeah, I think Mount is dusted, bro. I think he's so overrated. I think Gallagher is much better than Mount. Um, I think he's a good player, good pick. I would say. Uh, I can't believe Anderson is still making the squad. Yeah. 
Henderson's so, also got that leadership thing, though. Yeah, I mean, but I would have taken Lord Prowse over him, let's be real. Yeah, okay, because Ward Prowse also brings that leadership quality. And it's the same okay, position. So I mean, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, okay, let's just, we're going to speed it up a little bit um, for the, um, just quickly, this, I'm just going to say the standout players for the, the USA team, Matt Turner in goal from Arsenal, of course I want to mention him. Um, <laughs> but in the defense, no one's name even dropped jumps out to me here i don't really know these guys so well i'd say dest uh, is probably uh, oh yeah so yeah yeah so genio dest the ex barcelona right back <laughs> in the midfielders they have brendan aronson who i think is actually quite good i've watched him a bit he's and mckenny who's plays uh, tyler it? adams as well and tyler mm-hmm. adams I, i've seen his name pop up quite a lot Going forward, Gio Reyna from Dortmund. Um, he's always a special card on FIFA because he's so fast. I don't know how good he is in real life. But I think he had a good season at Dortmund last season. And then obviously Captain America himself, Christian Pulisic. Um, anyone there? Anything you want to say about the USA squad? Decent um, selection. Yeah. I think Pulisic shows up more for the US than he does at club level. So I think he'll, yeah. he'll do fairly well. Because yeah, club level, man, the guy... Is it notable, in my no. opinion, for Chelsea? So he gets Boston, um, England. Hmm. So I think um, this would be a better stage for him. I think he should do fairly well there. Um, okay. We'll chat about the Wales squad quickly. Um, yeah. Then um, Danny Ward, who we've all got on fantasy because Leicester <laughs> made so many <laughs> saves. Uh, ben Daly stands out. Um, Ampadu, I, I know him. Neko Williams, I would say. Joe Allen, who else? Aaron Ramsey, of course. Gareth Bale, Kiefer Moore, I've heard his name quite a few times. Dan James. I see these squads at a similar level, if I'm honest. This yeah. USA squad and the Wales squad has the same kind of thing for me. That's kind of all I would say, really. Yeah, I'd say, yeah nothing to add there for me. Okay, sick. Then, Argentina, we don't have the squad yet, but I think we all peg them to be at the top. Poland, we can just skit over. There's not much to talk about there. You know, we know the squad well enough. It's going to be all all hands on Lewandowski. I think he's going to be the focus. Um, group D, um, we I think let's go into a little bit of detail with the French squad. Um, so keepers are Loris Ariola, Mandanda, of course, and then Lucas Hernandez, Taylor Hernandez, Kimpembe, Konate, Kunde, Pavard, Big Bull, Saliba, the Rolls Royce of all defenders. Dario Upamecano and Rafael Varane, who I thought was injured. I didn't know that he was back. And then Mird, Kamavinga, Fofana, Gwenduzi, Rabio, Chuameni, and Veratu, who I've never actually heard of. And then up front, Karim Benzema, Kingsley Coman, Usman Dembele, Antoine Griezmann, Mbappe, and Kunku, and their top goal scorer, Olivier Giroud, who is killing it at Milan at the moment. Thoughts on the French squad? Let's start with Ruben. Thoughts on the squad? Uh, I was just surprised they left out Mendy, the left back from Madrid. Uh, I would have put him in there. I don't know why they left him out. I think they trust uh, Teo Hernandez quite a lot then. Isn't Lucas uh, Hernandez also a left back? One of them, they're brothers. One plays centre back, the other one plays left back. Oh, okay. uh, well, but I think it's Teo Hernandez plays for AC Milan as the left back, and then Lucas is that plays. fast card on FIFA. Yeah, and then I think Lucas is the centre back, plays for uh, Germany. I mean, Bayern. Uh, but yeah, I'm surprised they didn't take Mendy because I, I think Mendy's a baller. But yeah, look, how do you um, yeah? how do you feel about this midfield? It's young, um, but I mean, 
because Camavinga and uh, Chumeni that plays for Madrid that you know they they establishing themselves quite quite strongly. I mean I don't know. I also um, have a feeling that the France might be the underachievers as well. You know um, mm. they might. I think they might choke it. Don't know where along the lines, but I mean you can't rule out the depth and that's what things have yeah. is depth. I think that's what's yeah. going to help him a lot in this tournament. And game like, changing substitutes and that mm. kind of thing. Like, and I just oh, think I, I know it's. Yeah. Oh, yeah? Here you go. No, no, I'm just saying, and I only just think no matter which game it is, I think Mbappe, they could be having the worst game and he'll just pull out something with his pace. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's true. I was going to say, I don't see a lot of creativity in this midfield. I know. Um, Tushimeni normally plays like an, an 8, similarly with um, Kamavinga as a center slash DM and Rabio. Isn't is Kumu like a forward, so, like a wing or a forward? What does he play? Yeah. What is he? Or is he like a cam? He's What's like his a, role? Yeah, he's like a, he like a cam, center forward, yeah. I'd imagine if All he played, his role would be to... Yeah, he's really good. I think his role would probably be to drop in and fill in that kind of that connecting role between the C- the DMs and the attackers. But yeah, it's a uh, the midfield is where I would say they would probably land. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. Which back line starts there? Huh? Who's the Who's the two centre backs or guys? <laughs> can, can we just Can we just be serious for a second? The first name on that team sheet is William Saliba. Just be Just stop lying to yourself and stop joking. That William Saliba, he starts in that centre back. With him, I don't know, but he's so good. I mean, who's okay. your starting back for? I don't know. That's that's a tough one. There, you got so their their backline is stacked. Yeah. Like I think any like most of these guys go to any team and they start. Like Varane has shown quality with Martinez, but maybe he's injured, so maybe he should sit bench. Although Makano Ben is doing well in Bayern, he looks like a unit. Saliba, we don't even have to speak about him. Uh, Konate is another beast. Kimpempe. Like, yeah, they've they got, they got depth. I wouldn't be surprised if they go three at the back, to be honest. Yeah, I also order, I think that, that could be a, a way to go. Um, Denmark, we can brush over. They've got their normal names. It's always the same guys that stand out for them. Hopefully... Yeah. Uh, Ericsson can see, like, he's playing quite well at United, I will say. I'd be interested to see the role that he'll play for Denmark. Um, although I see, that says a 2018 World Cup squad on our picture. Whoops, that's my bad. But I'm pretty sure that the squad will be similar. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Spain hasn't been announced. Costa Rica, we can skip over. Japan, we don't have to talk about. We can quickly do, let's try to do it quickly. The two minutes of Germany is Neuer to Sturgeon Trap. I don't know a lot of these defenders. Rudiger is there. Nicolas Sule. Uh, in the mid- their midfield looks quite good. In Goretzka, Kimmich, Hoffman, Gundogan, Gotza, who was a bit of a surprise. Uh, Musiala, that young guy. Julian Brunt. And then up front, Adiemi, Nabi, Havertz, Mokuku, Muller, Fulkrug, and Leroy Sane. For me, I feel as if they don't have an out-and-out centre-forward, and I think that might be problematic for them. Um, but I don't know what you guys think of that squad. Yeah, on paper, uh, it looks okay. Nothing too special, but I mean, we all know Germany. They're going to be well-organized yeah. in, in in tournaments. We never doubt them, do we? But I mean, yeah, on paper, I, don't, I think it's one of the weakest squads I've had maybe in a while. Uh, 
but yeah, I mean, they still got some very quality players, and I'm also surprised Mario Gotze is there. I didn't even know he was still playing, to be honest. Yeah, yeah I just saw all the memes of Spain sweating. <laughs> I think it's uh, Frankfurt that he's playing at now. I think mm. it's it's nice to see how much trust they put into the youngsters, guys like Musiala, mm. who's had a phenomenal season. Um, Adeyemi's been interesting at Dortmund. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I think the youngsters could play a decent decent role there. They're going to have a lot, of, a lot on their shoulders. And I think their whole thing is going to have to be... I don't know what forward they're going to play with if they're going to play with Havertz up front like Chelsea does. But I think they're going to probably rely on wings cutting in. Sané yeah. and Naby, like playing that more uh, out-to-in kind of thing, I would imagine... Um, because full crook, I don't know him well, but I don't know if he has what it takes to on the big stage. Muller, I think, is that same leadership quality. I'm not so sure he's got the legs in him anymore. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Um, and then let's just quickly do, I think the last three we'll do is Belgium, uh, Brazil, and then we did some of Portugal already, but we'll just run through them. Belgium is, I'll just say the players that will stand out, obviously Courtois and Goal, uh, Vertonghen, Munia, who always seems to show up for these tournaments. Uh, he always seems to play quite well. Um, Alderweireld also seems to come up in these things. In the midfield, uh, I think this is where they are quite strong, is Belgium's midfield. is Axel Witzel, De Bruyne, Yuri Tielemans, Yannick Carrasco, Trossard, Onana, Dendonka, Vanaken, who I'd never heard of, and then Thorgan Hazard. And then up front is Openda, Hazard, Eden Hazard, obviously, Dries Mertens, Bachuai, Lokaku, and Doku. Um, that's their squad. Any thoughts, any feelings, any opinions? I don't know if it's down to the spread, the grit of a world stage. Uh, yeah, I don't think they they have that experience. I think that's what okay. it comes down to. So I think that's kind of what Remember? was in short. I don't know if it's like imposter syndrome. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I look at the squad... Um, nothing really excites me. That back line looks weak. Uh, I don't think they have that much depth, you know. That the Hazard is not the same. Eden Hazard. I mean, they got KVB 100%. I mean, if he gets injured or something, though. I don't know. Like, that's one thing. I, I don't know if we still want to touch about after the group stages, but I'm actually quite happy the way Portugal lines up if we finish first. And, like, I, out of all those teams in the quarterfinals, if Portugal make it the way we see him, I'm happy we're playing Belgium instead of any of the other teams, to be honest. Okay, well, yeah, I think we can touch on some of the fixtures as we see them happening. Let's quickly just run through the Brazil squad as the last one. Um, we have, this is for me, I think the most stacked team on paper for me looks the best. Obviously, Alisson, Edison, I don't know who Weaverton is, but Alisson and Edison, two world-class goalkeepers you can choose from. Then they have in the defense, Danilo, Danny Alves, who for some reason is still playing, Alexandro, Alex Teles, Thiago Silva, Marquinhos, Militao, and Bremer. Then in the midfield, they have Casimiro, Fabinho, Bruno Guimaraes, who I think is a reborn player. He's so good. Fred, Lucas Paqueta, and Everton. Uh, I think he's a wing, if I'm not... Oh, like he plays on the left. I could be wrong. Or is his sentiment? I don't know. Forwards, Neymar, Vinicius Jr., Gabriel Jesus, of course. Anthony, don't know why. Rafinha, Richarlison, also don't know why. Gabriel Martinelli, star player, and Rodrigo and Pedro. That's their team read out in a very unbiased and straightforward way. How do you guys feel about that squad? Tev, let's start with you. I think the notable exception was Romina. I think a lot of people were asking why he was excluded for Richarlison. Uh, but Richarlison steps up for Brazil. It works really well. 
he, he does really well in the, the Brazil squad and I think there is a, a level of understanding between the, the young players, so him, Vinicius, Rafinha, Gabby, whatever it is, um, that's probably his inclusion. Uh, I, I really like um, Kimaraj, he really um, a solid option in midfield. I think, yeah, they, they have the quality to go quite far, especially yeah. up top. Um, defensively, yeah, they're, they're all right. All right. I'm not just saying this. I think they would have benefited from taking Gabriel Magalhães. I think they should have taken Arsenal Gabriel. It, just in my opinion, I think. <laughs> just in my unbiased in, in place of? That's you a don't see a lot of centre-back in this <laughs> uh, squad, yeah. <laughs> Uh, Anthony can stay at home there because he always is fine. <laughs> the spins, leave the spins on, leave the spins at United. I, no, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but actually, they, yeah. Ruben, what's your feelings on the Brazil squad? Yeah, I also think on paper it's one of the strongest. Yeah, I like it. I like it. I think their attack is too much, and midfield looks super strong. I mean, I like the, the Marquinhos and Militao and Thiago Silva as your three centre-backs to choose from. I think that's super strong. Yeah, it's just a, a bit of a weird one. Like, you're going to play either Danilo or Daniel Alves. Um, but yeah, yeah I'm pretty, uh, it's exciting. I think the coach is going to have a lot of headaches playing that starting yeah. lineup, like attacking-wise. Like, Neymar's guaranteed. Um, for, me, for me, you have to start Jesus. Uh, is incredible. I think you go with Vinicius, and then who takes who takes that lost spot? Uh, that's Tanis can say Martinelli. Nah, that's Martinelli's not. Um, I mean, if I look at, I don't know how Rafinha's doing at um, at Barca. I think he's a bit he Yeah, he he won them the last game, but I don't think he's been playing that much. I don't think he plays every single game. I mean, you can choose who you want there between... What? Primo, I don't watch United that much. What's Anthony's defensive rate like? Does he track... No. He, yeah, he's a hard worker. That's why I think hard one him so much. Like, yeah, he really, really does. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'll be biased and say Anthony 100%, but I mean, Martinelli has shown a bit more. But, yeah, you say, the headache. Yeah, yeah he's going to have a tough really I mean, that's a good headache to have, isn't it? So... Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, okay, so Ruben already ran us through the the Portuguese squad when he was talking about it. Um, we've basically mentioned everyone that's there. Um, we didn't spoke about Rafael Guerrero. I don't know how much he'll actually play. Uh, Mateus Nunez, who's Wolves' latest signing. Don't know how much he'll play. Uh, Bruno S Bernardo Silva, I think, is going to be a very important player for Portugal in this World Cup. Um, yeah, and then we spoke about the forwards. Primo, who, let's just quickly ask you who you're relying on, who's going to be everything, other than Ronaldo. If let, Just don't say Ronaldo. Who's going to be everything for Portugal? Who's going to make or break your World Cup? Uh, we're going to put a lot of pressure on Bernardo Silva. I think that'll be key okay. for us. And then I think João Cosselo needs to, what he's doing for City, if he can do that for Portugal, will give us a lot going forward and defensively. So those are my two key players. Uh, and then I'm hoping... Rafael Leão starts a lot and he can impose... Uh, who could they really start ahead? I mean, you know this guy will sometimes will play Bernardo Silva, Bruno Fernandes, Ronaldo and I don't know, Jean Felix at a time. I don't know. I think Rafael Leão has to start. 100%. If Jota was there, I think it would have been a 
Tough, Toss up. Tough choice. Yeah. Silva owns that squad, man. I think he's an exceptional player. I think so much is... Um, people can do so much because of what he does. So the attackers can do their thing because he's like makes up the ground. Composed on the ball, man. He's he is composed It makes sense why he's nicknamed as Bubble Gun. Because that ball yeah. literally just... Yeah. Um, yeah. I think he's going to be great. Layal has been really exciting for Milan. Danilo, I must actually... I mean, Diego Dalo. I must give him some credit. He's had a decent well, season. United, but, he's been playing. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, um, I so, say. yeah. Keen to see how they... Hey, by the way, you know I've seen Rafael Leal in person, and He's a baller. And that's before he popped yeah. off. Yeah, when I went to watch Porto versus AC Milan last year, so Rafael didn't make a name for himself that much. And he was actually playing on the wing, obviously, and it's where I was, we were sitting with my cousins, and every time I got the ball, he looked so good. So, I'm hoping. So you're saying you scouted him, basically? <laughs> basically. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so then I think if we can try wrap this up in the next 10 minutes will be good so let me quickly just what i'll do is i'll run through mine and ruben's round of 16 how it went down um and then we'll say tevin's is quite similar but he has a different outcome in the end basically ruben and i said where netherlands uh netherlands beats usa argentina beats denmark uh england beats who are they playing senegal france beats mexico uh, Germany takes out Croatia, Brazil beats Uruguay, Belgium beats Spain, and Portugal beats Switzerland. That's more or less how we went. In the quarterfinals, we said um, it would be Argentina to beat Netherlands, Brazil to beat Germany, France to take out England in that round, and then Portugal to beat Belgium. I think for Ruben and I, we both said Brazil would beat Argentina, France would beat Portugal, and then Brazil would go on to win it. Tevin's got a similar path, except that Argentina beats Brazil, and then Argentina beats France in the finals. So, let's start with this. Ruben Primo, you said you wanted to mention that you're happy with how Portugal's side of the tree is looking. Why? What, what's your feeling about what, what could go right for Portugal on that side, if anything? Uh, like I said, if you just when we encounter the big boys, if you want to say, say, say that much, um, I just think... I'd rather play a Belgium instead of even in England. I'd rather play Belgium, to be honest. Yeah. And that's just yeah. that. That's just me. Um, I thank God we're avoiding Germany. Uh, they seem to beat us. We don't play Brazil, Argentina until the the finals, Later, like the finals which is good. Um, so yeah, like if I have to play one of the big boys, I'm happy. It is Belgium. They did beat us the last um, tournament. It was the Euros. They beat us 1-0. But, I mean, we dominated. We hit the post like three times. They scored a shot outside the box. Not much we could do. Um, so, yeah, I'm happy. I'm happy about the path that we're on compared to, you know, I know, I'd rather, like I said, I'd rather avoid those big teams and play Brighton instead of the other guys. Yeah, well, on, on that path that we spoke about, it would be that... Portugal, if everything happens the way we predicted it, Portugal would have to beat Switzerland, Belgium, then France before the final. Uh, yeah. Tevin went for a shocker and he said that Portugal would beat Switzerland but then lose to Belgium in the quarterfinals. Tev, what's your thinking there? Uh, I feel like the Belgians uh, are going to try and make a point this, this year. So try 
I think they, they get a little further out. Um, yeah, man, I think it will be a really close game. Tight margins, probably one goal to be the difference, like a, a 1-0. Yeah. That, that takes it, but then Belgium ultimately fall to, to France. Okay. Because of squad depth, okay. and then Argentina, France in the final. Yeah, Argentina, France you in the final. Argentina, France like in I the do final. feel that Argentina... So now that we've run through the squads um, and our your prediction of what happens in the, the knockout rounds, I want to find out from you guys who your top goal scorer is, your player of the tournament, and who you think is getting the Golden Glove. Start with Ruben. Oh, that's Special hard. Um, Golden Glove, because I said Brazil to win, so I'm sure it'll be Allison. Um, yeah, we'll go for Allison. Top goal scorer. Oof. Um, it's tough. Mm. How much? How many? Sorry. Top goal scorer. Maybe I'll go for Neymar. But if yeah. I'm going with Brazil, win possibly Neymar. I see him scoring a couple of penalties, goals. He always does do well for Brazil. Maybe six goals, five goals, six. Okay. Uh, and yeah, play of the tournament. Then if that we go bad, I will, I think it's Neymar. I rate Neymar so so much in his current form right now. Uh, I think he's What's top three in the world. He's also mm. him going back. How's he been doing going back? Is he a bit lazy or does he actually do the work? Because Mbappe's lazy. No, he's a luxury player, man. Let him do his thing. That Neymar is the reason that you have to start with Gabriel Jesus. I believe. Hundred percent. What Gabriel Jesus yeah. does going back. But Neymar is a baller. Yeah, he's a boy. He's a boy. And I think he's a bit underrated, if I'm honest. I think we take a lot of people take him for granted as a footballer. Um, mm. And a lot of people judge him on, like, he's flopping in the last World Cup. Like, falling. Not actually failing, but the way he was, like, always on the floor. That was a big talking point, I remember. Um, there was even that meme where he's just rolling, and then he rolls, like, off the planet. I remember that. And they're, dee, 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 dee. they're just playing that song over and over. Yeah. <laughs> So, for me, I'm going to go Golden Glove. I'm also going to say I think Allison will get it. To be honest with you, I think uh, Golden Boots, you know how sometimes it happens where one of these teams that end up in like an easier group yeah. in a game where they just whack a hat-trick. I'm going to say I think Harry Kane's going to get Golden Boot because I think he's going to score like a hat-trick against Iran. And then he's gonna he's gonna come out with like six or seven goals. Even though I don't think England's gonna necessarily do well, I think the way it's panned out, especially yeah. in the group stages, I think he's gonna score. Basic, I believe he'll score in every game in the group stages, which already sets him up. So I will go Harry Kane with seven. How, what's the top in a World Cup? Nine, right? In one tournament, I think the 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 record is like yeah, nine I don't know. in one Cheers, World Cup. I think that the um, closer has. It's 15 goals, all in all. All in all, but I remember in one World Cup, it was like, yeah, but it, he won't break that record. Let me just say that. It will be six or seven that he'll score. Five, six or seven, and I think he'll get Golden Boot. Player of the tournament, I also think, um, and I'm not just copying Ruben, I think, because I, I really do believe this is Brazil's year, and I do believe that Neymar plays a key role for that Brazil squad that I, for me, I think he's going to get <clears throat> player of the tournament as well. And, I don't think he'll play another World Cup after this. And I know a lot of people are talking about like Messi and Ronaldo's last 
World Cup. And I think it's also a bit unfair that, you know, all the attention's going on them. And I think if he wants to prove something in this World Cup, like now's his chance. And I, I just think he can. I think he's mature enough. He's definitely talented enough. And I just think he's going to have a really instrumental tournament for, mm. for Brazil. That's my, my thoughts anyway. Nice. Tev, hit um, us up. Whew, I'm, I'm tempted just to be a bit different, yeah. Um, for Golden Glove, I, I do think it's it's probably going to be Alison, but let me be different here and say Couture, Golden Glove. Okay. He's going to get, let's say, five clean sheets. Um, top goal scorer Five. Messi with seven, <laughs> seven goals. Messi top goal scorer, player of the tournament. I'm gonna say Messi player of the tournament. Okay, you're putting a lot of eggs in that one basket, my man. I think I think the boys are gonna show up. I think Ronaldo's gonna show up. I think Messi's gonna show up. Neymar's gonna show up. Um, okay. And given how how for this season, Messi's kind of found his groove. At yeah. PSG, not only goal scoring but assists as well. I think he's, he's gonna have a decent tournament. It's a it's a real pity we don't have the Argentina squad yet. I think that would have really added some depth to this conversation because I, I I'm quite interested to see what the kind of focus points around him is gonna be. Like I feel like Neymar has a lot around him to help him. I feel like Ronaldo has a lot of around to help him. I'm not so sure exactly how Argentina is going to look. Um, so I think it would have added a lot of depth to this conversation, um, yeah. to be honest. But really I do sad. think... what uh, One question I wanted to ask you boys before we wrap up. So this is a World Cup that is unlike any World Cup that we've ever had before. Um, and Ruben specifically told me he doesn't want to talk about politics in this World Cup. So Ted, <laughs> you and I are going to have to do that in a different one. <laughs> but... This is a very unique World Cup because of the timing of it. Obviously, because it's in Qatar, it has to be a Winter World Cup because it's so hot there. Um, and there's a lot of controversy surrounding Qatar at the moment. Now, we don't have to talk about what that controversy is. But basically, my thing is, I want to ask you, what do you guys think are going to... What's going to be the X factor in this World Cup? So, Ruben mentioned earlier that he thinks the, the um, climate or the temperature or the weather might be a benefit to Ghana or what do you think is going to be like the difference makers in terms of the team that wins or loses is it purely just individuals that are going to have to show up or do you think there's other soft factors that could play a part here maybe we start with uh, Ruben yeah I think when it, when it comes to tournaments it's very momentum based get your confidence early so it's all about how you start um it, it, the World Cup, it, what makes it so difficult is, you know, every game you have to kind of show up. If you have one bad game after group stages, mm -hmm. you're knocked out completely. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think I think climate will play a factor. Uh, I don't actually know how hot it's going to be during this period of time for them, the winter. You know, do you know how hot it is there? Um, looks like 17, 20. Oh. oh, it's not too bad then. I thought it was way worse. Yeah, they say it ranges between. Yeah. Uh, okay, so not not. Yeah, not not too bad. Eh? I think yeah. I think one of these lot of big teams do is the experience takes plays a big role. You know, um, if yeah. you've already walked this path, you know what to do. You know what to expect. Um, 
but yeah, I'm I'm excited for the World Cup, obviously. But it, it it it's lacking something. I don't know what it is. Like we what nine days away, and it's just like nine know, days that close, really. Yeah, it's next week Sunday, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah. but yeah, it was, but they're lacking something. I don't I don't know. Um, it just feels weird. I think because it's everything's so rushed. There was no break, and then we're waiting for yeah. the World Cup to happen. Yeah. You know, like I'm still looking forward to the Premier League happening this weekend. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't really have time. I don't know why. I mean, as a United fan, but yeah, I was gonna do something <laughs> right now. You're gonna have to edit it out, but it's okay. Um, yeah, I don't know. The World Cup just feels like it's lacking something. I think when it starts, it'll be all good. I don't think we're ever gonna reach the hypes of 2010 World Cup, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Tev, what do you think yeah. are going to be the factors that make or break a team or just the World Cup in general? Because we listen, we all listen to the song off air. Everyone said it's a rip pop. Anything? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, I'm back on this, man. Good speed, sub speed. Yeah. Yeah. But Tev, what's the factors that are going to make uh, it for you? I think climate will uh, play uh, a role in the World Cup. Um, I think they're still playing on doing the water breaks during the the, the game. So does anyone know about subs? <clears throat> subs five or three? Nah, it should be five. Okay. I think they've changed it completely for football. Okay, so. sorry, Seb, you were uh, saying. And then the the lack of a team. What do you call it? Like your your group, your camp. Let me call it okay. a squad camp. So normally, obviously, a league ends in stage May, early June. You have you a considerable yeah. amount of time to mm. get your team chemistry going, like a golden ethos at the squad. Yeah. So you'd fly yeah. to your respective nations. You guys would meet each other, not only do your training camp, but all of that. I feel like a week isn't long enough for them to get a lot of, um, yeah, cohesion in a squad you normally have yeah. a, a lot of time dedicated to getting a team um yeah Dialing and just exactly to yeah. and that talking about, with, yeah. yeah talking about that I actually saw i don't know if you guys saw it was leaked the other day Messi's speech for the copa final with argentina um yeah they, they let's see he spoke about this. They were in camp or they were as a team for like 30 days. They didn't see their family yeah. for 30 days. So, yeah, what Tevin is saying kind of makes sense, you know? Like, they had a couple of days with 30 days without seeing family. Now they're only going to get like, what, five, six days before the World Cup. Yeah. 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 Okay. yeah. So, I think that's going to play a big um, role in it. And, yeah, there's obviously the, the political uh, shadow that this World Cup's being played mm. in. So, that might have um, an effect, I guess. Mm. Players would stay off social media in order to kind of Focus have their head focused on the game itself because there's going to be yeah. a lot of general um, conversation and noise around the tournament. So I think social media, the fact that there wasn't um, a camp for the players prior and in climate. In yeah, yeah. Future. I think for me, probably similar sentiments that I share with you guys. Um, I do think that managers are going to play a part. If it's five subs, I think that that's actually going to have a bigger role than we realize. And I'm not so sure if managers know quite how to manage that element of the game just yet. And I think some games can... Because essentially, you sub five players, you're changing half of your team, right? It's enough 
to change, and that's where squad depth is really going to play yeah, a, it's gonna a, a big important. part of it. And I do think that the lack of um, timing, like it's like straight from respective leagues, and then you're traveling, and then you're there. Um, so fatigue. Yeah, it's definitely going to be mental and physical fatigue for a lot of these players. Um, you know, and especially like the Premier League players that are coming in. And it doesn't seem like I was a bit worried that the last two weeks before the World Cup, a lot of players were going to be stepping out of challenges and like um, not really going as hard. But it doesn't seem like that's like maybe this weekend we'll see. But it just seems like everyone's the, all I, they're still focusing. And I think that fatigue is going to play quite a big part, especially in the later stages of the tournament. Um, and I think the lack of hype, maybe the hype will be different when they're there, but the lack of hype around it, I think, is also going to impact what's going on. A, a lot of people are not really so keen on this one. Like, it's like, ah, whatever. Um, mm. Like, a lot of people, 56% of people that they did a survey on actually voted that they'd rather have the Premier League carry on than the World Cup happening. And that's very unheard of. I mean, the World Cup is the World Cup, and it's sick. But a lot of people are like, nah, we'd rather watch a Premier League. So, yeah, I think that will... I'm sure that's for Arsenal fans. Oh, yeah, man. <laughs> oh, no, but we need the break. I actually think the World Cup might benefit us, to be honest with you. Like, give us time to analyze some su- some people to buy. But, yeah, that's just me. That's just my opinion. Oh, really interesting. And I think that another notable thing is um, to have players focus on the World Cup. Uh, so just going on that kind of theme is I saw that they did the draw for the Carabao Cup. And apparently yeah. that's being played two days after the final of the, the World 20th, Cup. So say yeah. all your stars are there. What are you gonna do? Yeah, like City, City, Liverpool are playing on the on the twentieth. Yeah, mm. for the Carabao Cup. Yeah, it's a nothing cup anyway. But I mean, now that we're out of it, no, I mean, what I mean is like not a lot of people are gonna be focusing on it. <laughs> but um, yeah, I do think that's gonna yeah. make a difference. And last final thing for me before we wrap this, we would mention that there isn't, and you as well, that there isn't a lot of hype, and there's a there's something missing from this. So from the past few World Cups, I just want to hear what your standout moments are or memories from it. So give me 2006, 2010, 2014, 2018. Start with you. Yeah. Yeah, go, go ahead, Tyler. You, you go first. <laughs> 2006. Um, was that the one where... No. So 2010, I, obviously, I'll stand, all our standout moments will probably be games that we went to, right? Um, I'm sure. So I remember going with... Uh, was it? I don't know, if, Primo. I don't know if you came, but we went to Nelspray to watch Ivory Coast and South Korea play. That was pretty sick because Drogba waved at us. I remember we waved at him and he waved at us. That was pretty <laughs> sick. Yeah, was so that was a I remember. So 2006 was a bit long ago. Was that the headbutt? I mean, so yeah. I remember from that tournament. What stood out to me was the uh, immense disappointment that I felt in that World Cup because I really was backing France. I think Thierry Henry was still playing. Um, at that stage. So for me, I remember the immense disappointment of that tournament. 2010, uh, I would say, I just remember Diego Forlan for some reason dominating that World Cup. Um, can't think of key moments, but I mean, like just some mad goals. Um, but I, I told you about that guy, remember? About who? Remember Diego Forlan at Atletico? Remember back in the day? So you yes, yeah, yeah. Um, but I'll say. For me, the standout for 2010 was just, I remember we were at, um, obviously, so for those listeners that don't know, we are all South African, so we were there for the World Cup. Um, and I remember sitting at the Debonairs uh, uh, shell, 
with a bunch of the guys eating pizza and whatever and the World Cup just started, we holiday started and I just remember we were sitting outside and people were just hooting and just going crazy at the beginning of the World Cup and it was just wild, it was something else and so obviously that was my stand-up moment. 2014 was where? Brazil. I can't remember much of the 2014 World Cup. Was that the one that Gotza won at the end? Mm. Okay, so I mean if that's all I remember clearly that's my stand-up moment. Um... 2018 was in Russia, right? France yeah. won that one. What stood out for me... I won money that time, didn't I? Who won? Ruben won. Oh, I had Croatia. I had Croatia. <laughs> I had Croatia. I remember feeling stupid disappointed about Croatia. That's your money in my pocket, dude. <laughs> yes, yes. So that's oh, me. Wow. Those are mine. I don't have that many memories. Ruben, you go. As I wrap up. Uh, yeah, 2006... Um, I think one stood out to me is when France knocked out Portugal. I remember we still had um, what's our go- Gavde as our goalkeeper, and he was on form, saving all the penalties. Um, and then I remember Zidane came because we played him in the quarters or something, and France got a, po- a pen, and you know we were all like, okay, Gavde, just do your thing, and then Zidane, being Zidane, goes and he chips. <laughs> and even hits the bar goes in and we lost so yeah. That. That, yeah so that, that one cut deep um, yeah 2010 I think standard like much we say yeah from South because we lived in the moment um, but yeah I still remember a lot there Chabalala go yeah, for yeah, Africa yeah, yeah, yeah. Taylor what do you say it's a really good goal it's Shabalala. Yeah, and then doing the old dance. Yeah, that, that's that's my stand-up for 2010. Uh, 2014, what happened in 2014? That was Brazil, like you guys were saying. Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. These World Cups have been painful for Portugal, so I try to block them. I'm just excited. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, it wasn't 2014, if I'm not mistaken. It wasn't that one with the Van Persie header. I, yeah. that, that, oh, that goal just... Yeah, yeah that, I see that thing pop up now and then all the time and always remember. So that I think that was 2014. And then 2018, what happened in 2018? Uh, Germany won, as you guys said, I think. You won? Yeah. No, France, France. France. Oh, man. France won it, man. Yeah, the, I remember money in my pocket, man. All day, every day. <laughs> Lazy's house we watched. Yeah. yeah. I got my, my, I left with my, I was limping one side with all the money in my pocket. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> Nice. Tim, hit us with yours before we go. 2006, um, standout for me is <clears throat> Ronaldo, uh, the Brazilian Ronaldo doing a step over against the keeper. Don't know why that's standing out. Okay. But kind of the, the cheek to do that in a World Cup. Um, that was a standout for 2006. 2010, like both of you have said, the fan fair was amazing. I remember fan park for that Shabalala goal was amazing. And then I also got to be flapping. I was really fortunate to be a ball boy for the Spain Paraguay. Sheesh! I never knew that. That was sick. Yeah, was sick. Yeah, sis. Yeah. Um, Thank so you, ball boy. Yo, my boy. And I took a penalty that Castilla saved uh, on my side. So that was Damn. Nice. Uh 2014 ish, the hiding that Brazil got. Shame that was. Oh, yeah. Uh, That's a good um, and the Hamas goal, obviously. Um, and then 2018, Ronaldo hat trick for Spain. 
<laughs> yeah, that's why my highlight for that. So nice. Yes, hopefully this hopefully this one builds up some highlights for us mm. as well. Um, but yeah, I think that's a, a very neat little place to wrap it up, uh, to end this. Once again, thanks to Ruben for joining us, giving us his insights on what it was like to play professionally. Having you was sick. We'll bring you back when United's successful. Hopefully the pod is still alive at that stage, but who knows when <laughs> that may. But we'd definitely, be like, we'd definitely like to have you back. So thanks for joining for sure. us. Really. No, thanks for having me. It was great. I just want to say you guys are doing a great job. Keep it up. Um, yeah, don't ever stop. Keep the grind and yeah, thanks for having me. It's awesome. Hopefully, I'll be back. Put me on with that. Box. Okay, cut that out. I mean, <laughs> put me on with that, lazy. A and yeah, show, yeah. <laughs> sounds nice. good. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, man. So that's really cool, guys. Don't forget to um, like, subscribe, comment. We're on Instagram, yes, TikTok, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and our website. Man, it's gonna be fun. Enjoy it. We will see you guys at the next one. See you later, guys.